Welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin Loretz, and we are celebrating episode 41 with a pretty big win here. This has been officially one whole year of podcasting on How You Spend Your Days. Uh, there have definitely been some weeks that I missed. Even this one is coming at you a little bit late, uh, but I'm getting back on the wagon here. I'm pretty excited about what that means because one year ago is when I really started to take a good look at my financial health and really get it into gear. Um, you know, you can go back and listen to episode zero and, and episode one to get a sense of really what made me focus on that. Uh, and I won't go into that here, but I'm very happy to have done that. Uh, you know, we've covered a lot of topics over the last year, uh, 40 episodes of great guests, great uh, conversations and diving into some of the more uh, kind of habit change and psychological sides of, um, you know, just changing behaviors and what that looks like. What I'm really excited about is the progress and that sense of progress that I have seen over the last year. Uh, this podcast really did start out as an accountability tool to essentially hold me to my kind of financial goals and in some cases even figure out what those goals should be. But now that progress, uh, to kind of reiterate what we talked about in the Atomic Habits episode, that progress ends up becoming evidence for the kind of person that I want to be with my money. Uh, every payment that I have done, every little money date that I've done to figure out, you know, why am I behind on things? Why am I not making ends meet? Every one of those little things has become a vote for the kinds of financial habits that I want to have. And so I'm very excited about that. And literally that evidence is what's holding me accountable because I don't want to see there be a backslide. I don't want to fall back into those habits. Um, and it's really important because something like this, this journey of getting out of debt, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and so I have to be able to do this in a sustainable way. Uh, obviously, you know, it's something that needs to be dealt with as quickly as possible. But um, this isn't one of those things where I'm going to be happy when I'm out of debt. It's I need to be happy now and living a process that allows me to, you know, pay the things that I need to pay on time. Uh, have a plan for getting out of debt and still enjoy the small wins. Uh, and we're going to celebrate some of those small wins today. We're going to look back a little bit uh, at some of the, the episodes that we've done in the past. Um, this is not a rehash episode, so uh, you don't need to worry about skipping it. Uh, I'm going to quickly go over some of the things, some of the highlights that we had in the show, and then uh, move into a, a big one-year update. Um, episode two, we had really kind of opened up my finances and revealed what I was in debt um, in terms of a number, but also where it came from, why I was in debt, and uh, how that came to be. And so that really did kick it off. Um, prior to that, I had episode zero as sort of like a trailer, um, and episode one, both with Tanya Hester. Um, and those were really great to kind of, um, you know, have this sense of me starting from a place of being in debt and Tanya being in a place of being early retired. Um, and how do I start to even fathom uh, crossing all of that time and space and, and really the path that I have in front of me in order to get to that point? Um, the point of this show is not necessarily financial independence and retire early, but 
you know, obviously that is a direction that I want to head towards. I want to go from being in the negative in terms of net worth with this debt towards that zero, you know, in the black and then start to uh, really build in those, uh, you know, financial safety nets and things like that. So, um, so yeah, the first episode was on October 22nd of 2018 and I am recording this on October 29th. Uh, 2019. So it's been literally one year and one week. Uh, and this episode will come out on October 30th, um, which is a Wednesday. So uh, wow. Um, I am pretty amazed at that just because uh, it's something that I'm excited to have developed as a habit. Uh, there were a little bit of, you know, shakiness in terms of episodes not always coming out, but we're getting back on schedule doing this every other week. Uh, and so to reflect back, um, on some key episodes, if you're just joining the podcast now, uh, definitely check out episode two and four. Uh, in episode two, I dive into my numbers. I go through um, really, again, how I got into debt, what the numbers are, uh, and what I was going to do about it. Episode four, we dived into uh, my in, just inventorying my expenses and my consumption. And, you know, when you're looking at getting out of debt, you have a few levers to pull. And the first one is to lower your expenses and consumption. And the other one is to increase your income. Uh, those are two of the, the the two that you have the most control over. Uh, and in episode four, you know, I really go into what I was spending my money on and really surprising myself with how much money I was spending uh, going out to eat, um, going out, you know, in general, coffee shops, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I have drastically reduced that without any reduction in uh, enjoyment day to day. Like, I really don't feel like I've deprived myself there. I think I was just uh, unconsciously spending uh, and kind of using the ability to go out to eat as a way to maintain like a busy lifestyle, right? I was, I never planned ahead, uh, which then ended up turning into uh, having to get something on the go or going to a coffee shop to get work done, all these different things that just really added up at the end of the day. So really good episode to check out if you're interested in doing that and a great exercise for you to do for yourself. Um, Episode 11, I want to bring up definitely for uh, one of the first talks that we had about money and relationships, and that was with uh, Catherine Schweitzer, uh, one of our earlier guests as well. Uh, I'm really excited to always talk about how money works uh, with other people because it's really not a solo sport, right? Even if you're not in a relationship, other people affect how you spend money. If you're going, you know, you have roommates, you go out to dinner with friends. There's all these different uh, things that are expected of us or maybe are unsaid and you feel like you need to kind of keep up with the Joneses in terms of buying things or always going out when people are inviting you to go out with things. So definitely a good episode. She has a really great spreadsheet that uh, is very minimal and very focused and her approach to money is very practical. So definitely check out episode 11 for that. Uh, episode 14 was a popular one just because of the kind of bold statement of a $30 a week grocery uh, budget for a couple of two. Uh, that was an episode with Danny Morris, uh, who was introduced to me by Catherine. And that episode was really fun because it really makes you think, you know, how much are you spending every week on groceries and how much are you going out and then, you know, having meals out on top of that? And, you know, as an exercise, what could you do with $30 a week? What could you do with $50 a week? 
Um, if you're a single person or a couple or a family, what does that uh, budget look like for you? And maybe making that into a game of what can we lower it to without really depriving ourselves of quality or uh, variety. I think, you know, these things don't have to be ramen and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh, What can you do that's healthy? Um, Can you make, you know, how much of this can you make yourself everything from scratch, which was really Danny's point, is that if it's coming in a bag of any kind or processed, you know, it's already been cut up, you're paying a premium for that because it's a convenience. Um, So how much can you save by going as direct to the source as possible? Uh, Episode 26, Money and Family with CJ Avila. Uh, I also gave a shout out to CJ uh, and his wife. They just did an episode on their podcast, The Avila Theory, uh, which you can look up in your favorite podcast player. Uh, where they actually talk about their approach to money together, um, which was really great to hear after talking to him about it on this show on episode 26. So if you are interested in kind of how this works when you have a family, uh, household, kids, all that kind of stuff to think about, it definitely ends up being very different. Um, I, for one, know that my journey of getting out of debt would be very different if I had to also think about all those things. Uh, And to continue with that, episode 37, we continue the discussion about money and relationships um, with my girlfriend. um, And we actually brought Chanel on the show. And, you know, again, this this is not a solo sport. And so we actually do talk about how we approach um, splitting things, going out on dates. Um, you know, we both found a big passion for cooking things at home. And again, that kind of relays into not going out to eat as much, um, but also, you know, being able to spend time together and pick up new skills and, and learn how to cook with different things. Um, and that each of us have different money goals. And so how do we uh, make that work in terms of, you know, m- being able to have the lifestyles that each of us want having some shared goals, shared trips, things like that, and how we make that work. So, um, so yeah, those are some highlight episodes. Um, definitely um, some other things that we've covered, things like uh, the fire movement. We talked about atomic habits and the Diderot effect and habit change. All these things surprisingly compound on top of each other. You really can't get away uh, from reading a financial book without also reading something about productivity or uh, habit change, habit development. Um, some of this case, it's, you know, budgeting is a habit that you need to kind of develop. Uh, and there's different ways to budget. We definitely also talk about that. So um, that's going to be a little kind of tour through the podcast. Uh, if you're new to the show, you know, scroll through the episodes and find topics that are interesting to you. You by no means need to go listen to the whole thing. But if you are also in debt and trying to get out of debt, uh, I hope that these episodes will uh, inspire you or motivate you uh, in that right direction. So um, so that's kind of episode zero through 40. Uh, I'm very excited to continue the show. Uh, I still have a projected and uh, goal date of being out of debt uh, in 14 months. So that would be December, 2020. Uh, and so if we hold true here, that will be, uh, potentially around episode 100. If I get the cadence of episodes correct here, um, because we're at episode 40 ish, we will move from weekly to biweekly. So that will probably be lower than that. Um, but I'm going to aim for it. Let's, let's aim for a hundred episodes out of debt. Uh, it'll be a really big milestone and, and I'm excited to get there. Um, But before we go um, into a kind of one-year update, 
what I wanted to do is kind of revisit Atomic Habits uh, because it's been a book that has really changed how I approach most things um, that I think about from my work to my money uh, to just routines and things like that in general. And if you haven't had a chance to read it or listen to it, um, it's uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, if you don't feel like you have time to listen to it or read it, you can find interviews from him on other podcasts. You know, even the kind of high level snippets are going to be really uh, good to just kind of jog your brain and and get a sense for what it's about. Um, I do believe that this is something that's very much like meditation or yoga or any other practice that I can't make you go do it. You have to be ready and wanting to uh, be open to it. You know, I think when I read this book, it was at a very particular time for me that I was open to it. I was ready for it. And uh, the same goes for the book Essentialism. Uh, I've been looking into other type of like stoic philosophy books, things like The Obstacles of the Way, um, Stillness is Key, things like that. And again, there's so much overlap along all of these things. We tend to live a very busy uh, and attention deprived life right now you know people have more apps more inputs more uh, things demanding their attention and these books really do make you stop and think about where is your energy going how are you spending your days where is your time going because all of those things at the end of the day are your essentially your your wealth right you you have wealth of time and sometimes we can spend money to get more time or we can spend time to get more money and we have to really decide what is worth it for us. Uh, and so to kind of do a quick overcap, uh, kind of to do a quick overview of Atomic Habits, uh, the real big thing here is tiny changes over radical changes. And to look back on the last year, I can definitely say that that is true. I cannot make this, you know, New Year's resolution, you know, large bold statement of I'm going to be out of debt this year, right? I need to instead make tiny changes. I need to first measure what it is that I need to change and then implement a small system that gets me there closer day by day. Um, I believe he actually even advocates for someone in debt to make a payment to their cards every day. Uh, that would be a way of developing that habit. But, you know, it's not something that I personally found useful. Instead, I find automating the payments monthly, having them in check so that I only have to visit them maybe once a month uh, or so. Uh, because, again, you want to automate as much of this as possible so that you really can't mess it up. Uh, and the big thing here is going to be that a uh, good quote from the book that your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. So you essentially get what you repeat. So your financial outcomes are going to be a lagging measure of your financial habits, right? So it's pretty self-explanatory, but if you are doing good things with your money, you're going to have good financial outcomes. Uh, and the only way that you can really do that is over time. So time magnifies the margin between success and failure. So if you do a good habit over a really long period of time, you're going to see a larger outcome. If you do a bad habit over a really long time, you're going to see a negative outcome. If you do any one of those things once, you're probably not going to see that big of an outcome, right? If you go to the gym once, you're not going to see an outcome. If you skip the gym once, you're not going to see a big outcome. Um, so you really need to see that over a long time horizon. And again, that progress becomes evidence for that identity that you want to have. Uh, another great quote, most of these things kind of came from the highlights that I made in the book. 
Um, but you do not rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. And so this is why I automate most of this, because if it's automated, that's going to be the worst you can do, right? If instead you put it in your calendar and it's in there for you to go in and manually do, then the worst you can do is that you miss the reminder and you don't do the thing. And then if it's a credit card payment and you miss your payment, you're going to get a penalty. Uh, So don't allow yourself to aspire to these great heights and not you know, let's do a rock climbing metaphor, like strap yourself in, like you need to have something to save you um, so that you can only fall to that level of preparedness that you set up for yourself. Uh, One of the most transformative things in this book for me was more around the idea of identity change. Uh, In the book, he actually talks about four laws for habit change. And the laws are good if you really feel like you need a system for creating a new habit. Um, but what was more impacting for me was just this concept of outcome change, um, process change, and identity change. And the first one is outcome change. So most people want a certain outcome. Uh, and that outcome might be to lose weight or to get out of debt. The next phase, um, you know, this this tends to actually represent itself as like a New Year's resolution. The next type of change is slightly better, and it's a process change. And so the process change is uh, creating some sort of system, right? So that might be I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. Uh, And that's great, but with that, you have defined that this process that you could repeat but once you stop doing it, you're not going to see the results. So finally, the, the last form of change is identity change, which is to really change the motivation for why you're doing the thing that you're doing in the first place so that it becomes a part of your identity. Um, this goes back to the every action that you take is a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. Uh, meaningful change does not require radical change. Instead, decide the type of person that you want to be and then prove it to yourself with small wins. So the final change would be instead of being a person who goes to the gym three times a week, it's to adopt and prove to yourself that you are a healthy person. And that healthy person is someone who, you know, works out, you know, whatever cadence you want it to be, eats well, you know, whatever that identity is that you want to create. And so if you want to create an identity of someone who does not get into debt or is wise with their money, then you can start to think about what kind of evidence would I have that allows me to prove to myself that I am someone who is good with money. Um, it's kind of a turnabout way of thinking about it, but it does make quite a big difference because you can say, I am that, right? Versus, oh, I said for last New Year's resolution that this is what I want to do. And then people are going to ask you if you did it. And for the most part, people don't tend to hit their New Year's resolutions or anything like that, just because they tend to be very radical changes or uh, really, really high lofty goals. So I think the most important reason why I bring this up is that I think a lot of people think of budgeting or creating habits or routines or any of these kinds of things as being restrictive. And I have really seen the evidence that instead it actually helps you to create freedom. When I have a system in place or routine or a new habit, what ends up happening is that I am I'm able to take my time throughout the week more because I'm more prepared. Uh, I'm not rushing from meeting to meeting. I'm not trying to figure out what I have to do next. 
Uh, and again, some of that is automation, right? I can be more still, be more focused because I know that everything is written down somewhere. It doesn't have to stay in my head. Uh, everything is automated, so I don't have to remember to make my credit card payments. Instead, I can focus on my work, which allows me to make sure that I can pay those you know, credit card payments. And I can be good at my work so that I can get more clients so that I continue to be a good freelancer. And so when all those things are working, you have a sense of freedom that does not come from having debt. It does not come from not having an emergency fund. So these habits that create good outcomes can create freedom for you. Uh, having a, an emergency fund is great for if you end up not getting paid from a client on time. Or if you lose a job, you have some time to find a next option. Um, same goes for on the flip side. If you have uh, you know, some sort of larger emergency fund or an opportunity fund of some sort saved up, you have money to take advantage of opportunities that arise that some people might not be able to uh, because you've created that buffer for yourself and you've created that freedom for yourself. So I'll just end this little section uh, to say that if these are things that you are struggling with, definitely check out Atomic Habits. Definitely check out things like Essentialism uh, or any of Ryan Holiday's books. But don't fall into the trap of, you know, essentially productivity porn, right? Don't just read these books and feel good because you've read them. Uh, pick one and start with one. Read it. See if it resonates with you. See if you can act on any of the things that are in it. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to find some of this freedom and some of these wins for yourself. So I'll stop, uh, <laughs> I'll stop pushing the productivity on you and uh, we'll jump into a little bit of an update. So uh, this is the one year episode. Again, excited to share kind of what has happened since we started. There's been a whole lot of figuring out if I could make freelancing work. Uh, so you can go back and check out some of those episodes where I do get into freelancing Freelancing can have a lot of variability in terms of income. It requires, uh, you know, you to pay for your own health insurance. It requires for you to, to have a business license and insurance and all these other costs. And so to make freelancing work for you, it really does need to work, right? You need to have the numbers pencil out, especially if you're me trying to get out of debt. And so um, you can definitely listen to some of those episodes to go back through it. I am not saying that I have unlocked the secrets to freelancing, but I have figured out what works for me finally after all these years and feel good about being able to be on target for my debt payoff date of December uh, 2020, which which I guess technically will be January 1, 2021. But, you know, I'm going to try to push that as hard as I can to keep it in 2020 uh, or even earlier if possible. So, um with that, since the start of the show, I have paid $13,000 in IRS back payments. Uh, that is on top of staying current with the IRS for my tax withholding for this fiscal year. So that's a pretty big win for me because I have always been behind on those. Um, again, that whole part of making freelancing work for me is that when I didn't have the emergency fund to draw from when I was not paid on time. And so getting the emergency fund in place was has been key to that. Uh, and I've been able to use that in a way where I almost use it as like a float when I don't get paid on time. And then I replenish it when I do get paid. 
Uh, and so you end up with a healthier cash flow, essentially. Um, and then as far as taxes go, the whole reason that I was able to stay current with the IRS uh, is going to be another huge plug for Catch, um, catch.co. Um, I really need to reach out to them and see if we can get them on the show because it really has made me change how I think about freelancing, how I think about my income as an independent contractor. Uh, and it turns out one of their co-founders is actually from Reno. So uh, she's from here and, and definitely would be good to catch up with her and talk about freelancing and, and really why they started the company in the first place. Because it it's for something that seems pretty simple, setting aside money for yourself and paying yourself first. Um, it's been invaluable uh, in terms of just automating it, making it easy, making it so I don't have to think about it. So let's keep going through some of these wins here. Uh, I opened a balance transfer card and moved some of the balance from my highest APR card to it. Uh, couldn't move the whole thing over because I could not get approved for a large enough card. Um, and so instead it did take a nice chunk out of that highest APR card, um, which will help me to pay off the highest APR card first, which is my Amex card. Uh, and it also improved my credit score by increasing my utilization rate. So the really cool thing about this again is since this has been such a long year, right? Seeing small progress and just chunking away at some of these numbers, it is good to see, uh, debt numbers go down, but also to see my credit score start to go up as that utilization rate starts to free up. Uh, and that is currently being tracked by both Credit Karma and Mint. Um, I would say some of the other things that I've been using that I'm also using personal capital, but it's mostly in the background. I don't really ever log into it, but I do get emails from them every month. Um, and they're pretty good emails when I see things like you've spent $1,300 less than you did last month and things like that. Those emails can be a little bit weird because it sometimes doesn't understand like that some of that money is going to the IRS as a payment. It's not that I was like spending discretionary funds, you know, in a different way. It was like, oh, that month I put more towards the IRS uh, or more towards the credit card. But either way, it's good to see that variability and seeing those uh, those emails come through as as little uh, again more wins more evidence of of what I'm trying to do. Um, so again, trying to get that Amex with the highest APR gone first. Um, very excited to I think the next milestone will be getting rid of an entire credit card, which. Uh, will be a very happy day indeed. Uh, let's see what's next. My uh, This one's very silly, but um, it was also a win, and I got a nice little email from Apple uh, on this, which is that my iPhone 10, which I had a two-year 0% APY loan uh, on, is over. I paid the final payment this month. Um, you get a nice little fun email from Apple, um, which basically says, you know, the phone's yours. Uh, but if you want to get a new, new phone, you can keep paying us every month. And I am very happy to say that I will not be doing that. Uh, and I'm basically going to take that payment that I was making and move that over to that, that Amex card. Um, and the biggest reason, you know, it's so tempting. I think I talked about this on the last episode, Apple's marketing is meticulous in this and so good at making you want to have the next thing. Um, especially when I'm already used to paying for that, uh, contract, which for me was $50 a month going towards that phone. Uh, and in my case, it was worth it because I needed a new phone. The old one had, uh, had a cracked screen. It was on its way out. Uh, you know, I could have probably just replaced the screen and been okay, 
but having the new phone as a web developer and as a mobile developer and things like that is pretty important. And so, you know, being able to not have to outlay the entire cost of the phone all at once was a big win, pay for it over time and kind of think of it as a utility. But I can also see how that can be a mindset that you don't necessarily want to get stuck in. Uh, I really like, um, this is another personal finance podcast uh, by Joshua Sheets, the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. He really focuses on how you should try to live a contract-free life and having you know things that don't tie you to a contract uh, means that you have more flexibility, right? You can uh, not worry about things if for whatever reason you don't get paid on time or you lose your job or you decide to move to another place. You don't have all these contracts that are tying you down. So if you have a service that goes from annual contract to month to month and doesn't have an increase in cost, like that's awesome. Try to keep that. Uh, if you have a phone or something like that where, you know, this program is pretty ingenious. You can keep paying Apple $50 a month forever and they'll keep giving you the new phone and you'll get Apple Care and all that kind of stuff with it. And they just want to keep getting paid from you forever and they'll recycle your old phone uh, and make it into a new one and you just keep paying them. And so a uh, small win there, but it was really good to get that email where it was like, hey, your loan is done. Uh, the phone is yours. You don't owe us any more money. I get to go cross that off of my monthly uh, kind of recurring expense list, which takes that down a notch. I'm going to take the number and put it into another category, but it still makes it one less thing that I have to think about. So all in all, feeling good about where I am at. Um, we're, you know, in the middle of it right now. And so uh, in two weeks, I will definitely hop on again and we'll jump into some new topics. Uh, if there's anything that you're wondering about, uh, whether anything I brought up on this show or things that you see out in that world uh, of getting, you know, out of debt, personal finance, all that kind of stuff, uh, feel free to reach out uh, and ask questions. Uh, I think I'll probably try to do another listener um, question episode in the future uh, just to kind of wrap up a whole year of episodes and figuring out uh, really what we want to focus on going into um, this holiday season, which uh, will also be pretty interesting because this will be the second holiday season that I'm doing this show and really seeing how my behaviors uh, differ from last year, what we're going to do there, uh, and uh, really excited to keep keep going. So. Uh, thanks for joining me on episode 41, the one-year episode. Thanks for sticking around if you've been around since episode zero. Uh, really, really excited to have you along for the journey, and I will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.